if your listeners are going to, um, or they're looking at various hybrid publishers and trying to compare them, um, ask these questions. Okay. One, do you have in-store distribution? And do not be um, do not be confused if they say, oh yeah, we've got distribution. Your book can be ordered anywhere. They'll you know list it with Ingram, the wholesaler or whatever, and people can order it. No, I mean, do you have on the ground sales reps who are actually selling it into stores? That's number one. That was Maggie of Life Tree Media doling out the first of three steps on how to evaluate a hybrid publisher. We're going to get into that more, but welcome to the show. There, there is nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed and bleed and bleed. Welcome to Bleeding Ink, a podcast for media inventors who seek to make a dent in the universe via the written word. I'm your host, J.S. Leonard, and this is episode 23, titled, In Which We Get the Best of Both Worlds. Maggie Langrick is my guest. She is the president and publisher of Lifetree Media, a hybrid publishing company that focuses on producing positive, life-altering nonfiction books. Now, I brought Maggie onto the show today to enlighten us on the mystical topic of quote-unquote hybrid publishing. What you'll get in the next 30-ish minutes is a better understanding of what traditional publishers give their authors. And if you are willing to put your own skin in the game, how to obviate your need of a large publisher and how to keep your royalties and rights, but at a much greater upfront cost. It's a fascinating approach. The cost might dissuade some right off the bat. I mean, we're talking like 30K from idea to book. And it will either push you toward tradition, traditional publishing because you don't have the budget, or it will make you scream for joy since you can essentially skip the gatekeepers without sacrificing quality. Now, bear with me. Maggie and Lifetree provide authors a team of seasoned professionals that are as good, if not better, than what a new author would receive at a big five. This is it. This is the start of the Big Five Models Dissolution, and instead will rise a new medium that enables and supports authors rather than eke dollars out of their blood-soaked fingers. While the cost to play might be high, it won't be forever. So welcome to the new frontier. You'll learn the benefits and limitations of traditional self-publishing. You'll learn how to avoid scammy hybrid publishing promises. You'll get a glimpse at self-publishing's history and why we are so fortunate to have the tools we have today. You'll understand how and why bookstore distribution will separate you from the pack. You'll learn all this and more. Here's Maggie. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm excited today to introduce uh, Maggie Langrick, who runs a, a, a hybrid publishing company called Lifetree Media that is one of the most honest representations of hybrid publishing I've ever actually seen. And um, I wanted to welcome you, Maggie. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, no, no my pleasure. Um, so can you tell me about yourself and what Lifetree Media does and also perhaps explain to the, the layman um, what hybrid publishing is? Yeah, sure thing. I yeah. So yeah, you're. Thank you very much for the characterization that you know we're an honest hybrid publisher. I I think that one of the frustrations out there is that there's a lot of confusion around this term. People are using it differently, and it means different things to different people. So you know, authors are understandably very confused. Hybrid publishing, in the way that we define it, combines the best of traditional publishing and self-publishing. So in essence, it is self-publishing at a professional level. Um, and in our case, the most important distinction that I think anyone needs to make when they're asking uh, 
uh, you know, what a hybrid publisher does is do you have in-store distribution? And the second question is, do you do deep developmental editing? So, but we'll get more into those distinctions later. Um, Yeah, in essence, this, uh, I started Lifetree on uh, the hybrid model because I really saw the frustration that so many authors were dealing with, uh, asking themselves the question, you know, do I go traditional or do I self-publish? And it's like this fork in the road, which is just mm-hmm. like opt in or opt out and, mm-hmm. you know, nothing in between. And it's super frustrating. So, you know, it's like when you go to order a burger, do you want fries or salad? I happen to be, a, I would like a bit of both, please. Kind of <laughs> I would like fries on my salad. <laughs> I, would, I would like fries and then I would like salad. So, yeah. so I kind of, uh, I wanted to start Lifetree on a kind of a fries and salad model. Yeah. Gotcha. That's cool. So you you told me that your your father uh, tried to publish in the self publish in the eighties and it didn't go so well. Can you tell me more about that and if it oh, if it yeah. led to the inspiring life tree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. It's um, you know, it's it's such a it, it's he was really ahead of his time. God bless him. Uh, so my father was an acupuncturist and mm. you know an entrepreneur. He ran his own clinic, and he so he had an entrepreneurial spirit. He you know wanted to do things his own way and in his own time, and all of those things are are great and really laudable. Uh, so he decided he was going to write a book about the medical establishment and about, you know, acupuncture and how, you know, kind of unfairly treated it was, but also he wanted to write, you know, his kind of memoir life story and some stuff about his frustrations with his family, it were all kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so as you imagine, the book was a little bit, um, it was a little bit disorganized, overstuffed. And well, frankly, as an speaking as like a longtime editor, I can say he was very much in need of an editor, uh, but he was determined to go ahead and do it anyway. So he had somebody, you know, kind of copy edit it and clean up the grammar and uh, printed up uh, a bunch of copies. And this was in the 80s, so you know, before, well before the internet came along. Yeah. And so his his way to distribute them to was you know, he piled them into a duffel bag and oh. drove around from store to store. Will you stock my? <laughs> And I think wow. that you know he managed to get like two copies on shelves here, or there, or whatever. But uh, you know, eventually those boxes of books became his living room furniture. I'm not mm. kidding. Like my father lived, I witnessed what is probably the secret, you know, nightmare or fear of every self-publishing author is like, am I going to be using my books as a coffee table? In my father's case, the answer was yes. I remember putting a tablecloth over them to make it an end table. And eventually, <laughs> of course, they, <laughs> they were pulped and thrown out. Um, and so, you know, fast forward many years later when I was, uh, I, I had been working as an editor at the Vancouver Sun newspaper. I was their, their arts and lifestyle department editor and uh, thinking about making a change and um, really, really attracted to publishing for obvious reasons. I, wor- I work with words and, and writers. Uh, and my father's story, you know, kept surfacing in my mind. And I was thinking about how self-publishing has really changed since then, but there is still this gap, you know, between uh, mm. how do you get stores and how do you make sure that it's of professional quality? So, so that, you know, I think it really uh, kind of ignited, um, ignited me to, uh, to, to pull in that direction when I was founding the company. Mm-hmm. So tell me then what the benefits of traditional publishing are versus the benefits of self-publishing and then what limitations each have and how you know, a hybrid model can, can elevate and, and go beyond them and help with those. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as I was saying, so you know, my 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 poor dad, you know, with his with his story, he he really he lacked those two important pieces: um, a distribution system and um, and really rigorous professional uh, execution of his work. And that is still the case. So if we look at, um, you know, those are the things that a traditional publisher still offers. Let me just back up for a second and yeah. just kind of broaden out and look at the like the overall creative landscape. One thing that I really noticed a lot when I was working at The Sun and covering, um, you know, arts and, and media is how very much... Um, how very much the landscape has changed in all creative industries. So you have musicians who are, you know, recording albums in their bedrooms and releasing them live on YouTube or, you know, direct to their audience. You've got filmmakers who are, you know, going the indie route and just opting out of the system altogether. And of course, authors are doing that in droves. Uh, so what do you need a traditional publisher for anymore? They're not the gatekeeper. They, 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 you, they're not required for, for you to create a book and make it available for sale, even on a, you know, wide basis. You don't really need a traditional publisher anymore. But the one place where you as a, an independent self-published author can not compete or, or, uh, you know, fill in that gap uh, that a traditional publisher would bring is in distribution into stores. And there's a really good reason for that. It has nothing to do with being a snob or, uh, or, you know, kind of retailers not taking a chance on untested names, because they do that all the time with their publishing list. Uh, you know, the, the, there are new authors being broken all the time, you know, through traditional publishers, too. Mm-hmm. The reason that they the reason that you will never get your book widely distributed to airport stores and Costco and, you know, the drug stores and all that is has got to do with established uh, supply chains, right? So if if you want to participate in in that channel, you need to be part of the um, of the of the of the infrastructure and the system. So each book mm-hmm. retail, you know, they'll have. Um, uh, a list of uh, sales reps that they'll meet with, um, you know, from distributors and wholesalers, and you know, show me that, show me what you got this season. And they're busy, and they burn through their list, and then they go on to their next meeting, and that's it. They certainly don't have time to sit with eighty-five thousand individuals and talk about <laughs> their one book, right? Right. Yeah. So there's a really good reason why, you know, why why that system exists and why it's so pos- impossible to penetrate as an individual. So that's one thing that traditional publishers still offer. The other thing that a traditional publisher still offers, um, although the degree to which they offer it is changing, is, um, is, is, is qual- quality control and, you know, excellent development. So quite often... Um, uh, these days, especially uh, publishers expect authors to come with, you know, fairly polished manuscripts. However, they still do. They're they're going to take a really rigor- rigorous look at the quality of the work, and uh, and what underpins it, and what makes it suitable um, for the market, whether it's likely to be a success. You, as an independent author, can never assess your work with that kind of critical eye. Not only because you're too close to it, um, but because you're not an editor, you're not a publisher, and you're not in that world, and you know you're, you're it's 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 almost impossible unless that's what you do all day uh, to be able to kind of really think like a reader. Mm. Um, so those are two really important things that traditional publishers still bring, uh, and that make it very difficult for self-publishing to operate you know operate at the same level. Uh, on the other hand, self what self-publishing offers, of course, is you know 
self, you know, you've got control over your project, you can put it out in your own time frame. Um, it's fantastic that it has democratized the situation for, you know, for people who perhaps have um, a, a really niche um I'm going to say niche because I'm Canadian, refuse mm. to say niche. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who's writing on a really niche topic that may not have broad trade appeal, um, but that, you know, you want to get your book out anyway. Fantastic. Um, but depending on what your, depending on what your, your end goal is for your book, um, it's really important to be realistic about the limitations and the benefits of whichever route you choose. So the third way, the third way is, is what, um, you know, what we do. And so we work with our authors um, very rigorously on their concept development. You know, we, we do deep developmental edits on the work. We often work with people right from their book proposal stage or, you know, outlining stage. In fact, that's where we pretend, that's where we prefer to get involved uh, because we feel that that's where we can add the most value. Um, and, and so uh, I, I, every single book, because we are putting it into the market, every single book has got to uh, compete well in the trade and got to got to be credible and well developed and all of that. So, um, so that's that's and then and then and then like as I was saying, so we also have distribution. So our books are distributed to the book trade across North America by Publishers Group West and in Canada by University of Toronto Press. We also represent our authors at Book Expo America, and mm. we take their to Frankfurt Book Fair for overseas rights um, licensing opportunities. So we're doing everything, you know, the, the most important component of what a traditional publisher does while also giving access to, uh, to authors um, on a fee-for-service basis. Mm-hmm. Do you, now, now, do you seek out authors or do authors come to you or is there, is there, are there agents involved? How, how, does, um, how does one get published through LifeTree? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, if you go to our website, lifetreemedia.com, um, there's, a, there's a submission form where you can input the details of your project. And, you know, we have a human being review it, not an AI, and uh, <laughs> and then get back to, you, um, you know, within a couple of days. Um, and some of it is word of mouth. Uh, sometimes we approach uh, people when we uh, you know, are interested in the work that they're doing and think that we see an opportunity there. Um, not every, not every, not every author is a perfect fit for us. We're curatorial with our list. Um, that's another way in which, you know, we align more closely to the traditional model. Um, we publish only nonfiction mm-hmm. and, um, a quick, we have particular, mm-hmm, yeah. a quick question about the nonfiction. This seems like it could work well for fiction. And why did you just choose nonfiction or is fiction maybe, uh, planned for the future? Uh, yeah, no, it was a conscious decision for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that, you know, nonfiction is the world that I come from. Um, as I mentioned, I was a journalist for many years, a member of the media, and I was working in the arts and lifestyle um, part of the newspaper. And so um, so prescriptive nonfiction or informational nonfiction, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is the kind of material that I'm most familiar with and that, you know, I, I understand um, how to gauge kind of reader interest the best. So uh, that was a natural fit for me. We also have a, um, a particular focus on books that help heal and inspire. And again, that's just because, you know, that's what I'd like to spend my time mm-hmm. immersed in. And yeah. <laughs> I also really, I love the fact that we work with authors who are mission driven. Every single mm-hmm. one of our authors is, is, is writing a book to help make the world a better place. So um, that's a really 
great kind of company culture um, sort of tentpole for us to kind of rally around. Mm -hmm. So that's our particular focus when it comes to, but there's a business reason too. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to publishing um, fiction, uh, I think that you can look at the difference between fiction and nonfiction. Um, and I'm speaking here of informational nonfiction, not so much literary nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Literary nonfiction follows the rules of fiction a bit more. Um, mm -hmm. That it's kind of art versus product, right? So, um, what we're creating, uh, the books that we create, you can you can you can do some market research and 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 gauge, um, you know, if it's well executed, you can gauge what the likely interest in that book is going to be. With a fiction book, it's a crapshoot. Every single one is different, and it all depends on the execution. It's like a work of art, and so it's much more. Um, it's much it's much riskier. Um, mm -hmm. The gain the potential gains can be much higher in fiction, uh, but but there's uh, it, it's just it's just a, a much less predictable route. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that we do. Yeah. So so say uh, and that makes sense and I, I I totally get it. <laughs> I was just curious because it seems like this could be applied to, to fiction in the future. But that that totally when you're laying down the groundwork for this kind of stuff, you definitely want to reduce risk <laughs> as much as possible. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say, though, that um, I think that, uh, you know, for the author who's in the right position, then this absolutely our company doesn't publish fiction. But um, I, I believe that there are other hybrid you know, publishers that do. And it can be a really um, it can be a really smart way to go if you have the resources to support the development of your book um, and gather that you know, kind of support and editorial help uh, to yourself, then, um, you know, it, it, it can be a wonderful way to open doors precisely because um, fiction is such a kind of risky and volatile um, category. A lot of publishers, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't know how your book is going to do and, and they may not take a punt on you, but if you're willing to invest in yourself and, 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 put your own money on the line, then, uh, uh, then you're the one who stands to benefit the most if you do have a success. So are you saying then you would hire your own editor team or, or you would help contact a hybrid publisher to do that for you? Like what, what, what do you mean by put your own money on your, on the line? Okay. So yeah, that's like, boy, my bad, because I should have really sort of been, you know, kind of clear about that at the very beginning of the interview when laying out the, uh, the, uh, the definition of what hybrid publishing is. So mm -hmm. we, we operate on a fee-for-service basis. And so essentially what that means, and other hybrid publishers do as well, um, although uh, people's contracts will vary, sometimes they, there might be, you know, a minimum purchase order. We don't do that, but, uh, you know, they, they'll structure their deals slightly differently. Um, so what that means is, um, okay, so say, you know, you're writing a book and you know you need an editor and you don't have one. So where are you going to find one? Well, you're going to hit the internet, you're going to hit any number of of, you know, sort of job sites and places where, where people are offering their editorial services. Um, but how do you know that the person that you're getting is any good? And how do you know that they're the right kind of editor for your book? Um, you don't, you can't. It's just like, it's a, it's a gigantic um, marketplace for, for, for editors out there and really, really hard to navigate. So what you can do is come to a reputable hybrid publisher and say, okay, look, you guys have already done the vetting. You've got a great team of professionals who've actually built their careers inside the publishing industry. And they're not just people with English degrees looking to make a buck on the, on the side, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I'm sorry, that's what a lot of people, you know, touting their editing services online and particularly at the, at the more, you know, the sort of lower end um, of the pay scale. Mm -hmm. uh, so you come to a hybrid publisher and, you know, what you ideally should get and what you 
do get from you know from our firm uh, is is a seasoned team of publishing professionals who are going to execute your book um, on a professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I would urge I th- I think that if there's one thing that uh, that every author ought to invest in um, and not to scrimp on. It's editing and most in particular developmental editing. Work with somebody at the foundational level of your book so that you're barking up all the right trees. <laughs> and so that it's, it's not just about cleaning up your commas. It's not just about, you know, I see these, oh, these programs online that just make me want to tear my hair out and scream from the rooftops. You know, they encouraging people to write your book in a weekend and get mm. it. Man, you know, you can put a collection of words into a document in a weekend. Yes, you can speak it out <laughs> and have it printed and formatted. And boy, it sure looks like a book. You know what? It isn't. It isn't a real book. And you know it and your buyers know it and you can't stand behind it because, you know, if you compare it to a well-developed book, it's gone through, a, you know, a real team of seasoned professionals. There's just no mistaking the difference. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put your time and attention and your name on something that is supposed to be your calling card that you're going to put out there in the world and say, this is me, these are my ideas, you want that thing to be taken seriously. And the best way to be taken seriously is to take it seriously yourself and really invest in getting a quality team around you. Mm-hmm. 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 So, so- <laughs> So, okay, let's say, let's say, um, I'm an author and I come to your site and I, and I submit a manuscript that you guys are interested in. Um, mm-hmm. what, what can I expect? What would be the next steps and what could I expect from that point all the way through publishing, like the length of time it takes, you know, the different parts of the process, go ahead and break all that down for me. Cause I, I, kind of, I want to, I want to understand what life tree really, uh, provides in your services. Sure. Okay. So that is a short question with a long answer. Bear with me and uh, just <laughs> slow me down if I, if, uh, if I skip over anything. Um, okay. So the very first thing we do is have, um, have a, a serious look at, uh, at your material. Um, we're going to weigh up your, um, your, your, the, the strength of your writing and also the, the uniqueness of your ideas and also whether or not it's a good fit for our publishing list. If all of those things seem to be in place and we'll have a conversation with you. And the very first thing, I always ask any um, author or expert who's you know thinking of coming on board with us is what is this book supposed to do for you? Mm-hmm. So depending on what your what your what your goals are, um, that you know that will guide what our strategy is um, and and how how successful we think you you know you you stand a chance of being in the market. Um, not every situation is going to be right for us, um, but people who have certain conditions in place um, make them particularly well suited to our model. Actually, I'll get back to that in a second. Um, okay, so once, uh, presuming uh, you know everything's all um, in alignment and we bring you on board, the very first stage of development is your your concept development. So you'll be working with um, with a seasoned developmental editor who will help you kind of sift through your ideas. This is typically the the stage that people come to us at. Um, sift through all your ideas and 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 craft um, a really strong, compelling book outline out of uh, out of your ideas. Uh, so now you've got a writing roadmap. Then we work with you. Um, 
you can have as much or as little support as you require or want. So you're either going to have weekly, bi-weekly or monthly, uh, you know, Skype calls with your coach, your, your development, developmental editor will, will also be your writing coach and coach you through the writing of the manuscript. We, we do like a complete sort of nurturing wraparound service. So you get, you know, um, there's, here's your schedule, here are your prompts, here are your sort of like monthly updates on how the, you know, the pro the, the project is progressing. <clears throat> Once the manuscript has been delivered in its raw form, your developmental editor um, will do a deep substantive edit on it. That is, they rip it apart, you know, to <laughs> see like, okay, well, you skipped, you skipped a bunch of stuff, or you haven't set this up properly, or, you know, I need more here or less there. Um, or perhaps, you know, sometimes you look at it and think, well, okay, now that now that we've seen the whole thing in, in, you know, all in one piece, we can see that actually this chapter is redundant, they should be blended into this other one, or, you know, move these parts around. I can't overestimate. I can't stress too over. I can't stress too highly to you how important this is. Um, as I've been an editor for 20 years myself, um, I, 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 I can tell you that you know this is the absolutely the most important piece of any piece of writing is how well it is constructed. Does it accomplish what uh, it sets out to do, and does it create a good reading experience? Okay, so that's the substantive edit. After that point, uh, that'll often take, depending on how much time you have to work on your manuscript, a lot of our authors you know, are busy running their own businesses and careers, um, so the writing of the manuscript can take six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, in some t- cases, it could take longer, and in you know, a few cases, it, it could go more quickly than that. Right. So once the writing is completed and the substantive edit will take a couple of months where you'll go back and forth with your editor and they'll send you notes and ask you to revise and tweak stuff. Um, Now you've got a totally tight, um, you know, near perfect manuscript. Then it goes to the copy editor. The copy editor is a completely new person who'll look at it with fresh eyes um, and just do all of the the mechanical editing and kind of clean up. Um, you know, awkward sentence construction, and all, but also obviously a grammar and typos and punctuation and all that. They pay attention to the the, the subheadings and the positioning of um, figures and charts that go into your book. All of that is uh, is done according to a style guide that was created by your substantive editor. So, at the end of that, we've got um, we've got uh, a, a, a letter perfect manuscript that's ready for design. Uh, at that point, um, it goes into the design department. Um, actually, the cover is something that we designed much earlier because it's something that um, needs to go out with our sales package. And I'll get back to the, the sales process in a minute. Um, but once your book goes um, into design, it is, uh, it's, it's laid out. A custom interior is done um, for your book that harmonizes with its cover. Uh, you always have the opportunity to, you know, to offer your feedback or direction um, on any of those components of the process. And um, once it's been laid out in design, uh, it goes to a proofreader. If you're having an index, then we have um, a professional indexer will, uh, you know, analyze and and break down the material and create either a contextual or a name-based index, depending on mm. the type of work that it is. Mm-hmm. Very important. Yeah. Um, and uh, and at that point, um, you know, everybody has had a chance to review the proofs and it's ready to go to the printer. So that's the sort of that's the, the the development process, but in tandem with that, there's this other process happening at the same time, which is um, our sales reps. So, approximately oh, six to nine months before your book is slated for publication, um, 
uh, I or a member of my team will present it to our distributor Mm -hmm. and that goes on our list and we do, you know, sort of um, seasonal sales calls where we present um, the books that we've got coming up. Uh, That's usually, it's either a meeting or a conference call uh, that involves the regional reps from across the country. So these are the people that are going to go and talk to Barnes and Noble and talk to Amazon even and talk to, um, you know, kind of Walmart and the retailers and books a million and whatever on libraries, um, airport stores and all of that and pitch your book. Um, so in the sales package that we create, uh, you know, there's a, a, a there's a, a graphic from the cover, um, details of the book, uh, a compelling synopsis and, you know, and then I get on the phone and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm talking it up and I'm, I'm, I'm explaining to them why they need to pay extra attention to this title and help helping to give them the language that they'll use when they go to sell mm-hmm. it to the retailer. So mm-hmm. this is a really, really important part of what we offer that, you know, you can't do yourself. Um, so that's all happening months before your book actually goes to the printer. By the time it goes to the printer, um, you'll already have your, um, your media and marketing plan underway. Um, and then it's just a question of sitting back and letting the distributor, um, do their job. So, um, our sales manager takes, um, pre-orders from those retailers and the orders are fulfilled from our warehouse and, um, and, and you focus on getting out there and, uh, and letting people know about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what about online distribution? Yeah. So, uh, by that, do you mean, um, through Amazon? Well, yeah, or, Amazon or, or any of those channels. Yeah, ebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is that is part of the that's part of the standard retail environment. So um, it's something that you know it's done in concert with um, gotcha. with all of the other sales gotcha. uh, activities. Yeah. Okay, so I think the biggest question then for everybody uh, listening to this would be, what are my costs and what rights and royalties do I get? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a great question, and it's going to vary very much from one service provider to another. Um, in uh, as you can probably imagine, you know, this isn't um, this isn't a, a budget endeavor um, to to engage all of those, you know, um, uh, professionals to you know work on a project for twelve to eighteen months um, is takes some considerable resources. So, mm-hmm. um, our development fees for the average project will probably start at around thirty thousand. Mm, okay. uh, and then, and then you've got to think about the cost of the print run, which is just as long as a piece of string, uh, and the cost of, you know, whatever marketing that you want to do. But I know that for example, you know, you, you had, um, you had Tim Grawl on your show and yeah. I was listening listening to that. And I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think that, you know, he's doing some great work with, uh, with author marketing online and, and, and we work with authors in to develop their platforms too. I think that it's, um, it's really, really, really important, um, to look at, we could do a whole other show about marketing. I'm a former member of the media. I can talk about traditional media versus online marketing Mm -hmm. and why traditional media is like something that in many cases you won't even want to waste your time focusing on. Mm -hmm. It's expensive to hire a U.S. publicist for a mm-hmm. book campaign and uh, in many cases the publicity fees can be equal to or greater than what we charge to develop the book mm-hmm. like, yeah. so um, the, the the series of steps that you listed was would that be about the thirty thousand dollar range like where 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 would that cost you know grow exponentially uh, if you you know 
Okay, so if it, so yeah, so that's that's what I that's what it would that's roughly what it would cost to get you from Hi Maggie, I think I want to write a book, but I'm not really sure what it's what's going to be in it. <laughs> all oh, oh, the way I gotcha. to all the way to files to printer. So we paid the designer, you know, you've engaged us for project management, mm-hmm. and that's all, you know, that so that's that's all part of of that phase. Could that um, could that cost be brought down substantially if someone came to you with a pretty well developed either manuscript or concept? Maybe they hired an editor on their own. Um, and, and it was, you know, quality. I mean, w- is there any way to bring that down or is that pretty much like the fixed bottom? Uh, you know, we hard have never, we, we, it's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to bring it down a lot. And I'll tell you why we prefer, first of all, to work with people from the ground up because I've never, I don't think I've ever been shown a, you know, kind of finished manuscript that didn't require some deep structural work you yeah, know so, sure. um and um and to be honest like that's it's uh, it's certainly a component of the of the overall cost but it's not the greatest component so it can cost you more um for example if your book has illustrations in it or if mm, you need mm-hmm. um you know kind of it's, if it's very layout driven um uh, so it's hard it's harder to bring it down because there's still the time frame that involved and we still put it through le- levels of editing there's still a designer to engage there's still right. you know months-long project management and all of the sales materials and stuff mm-hmm. so 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 of that thirty thousand, I mean, you're you're investing some of your own resources into the, you know the book as well. Um, so how, how, how do the rights end up? Like what 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 royalties? How is this all divvied up in the end? Yeah, and, and so how much we, is your uh, investment we, too? We 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 don't invest our capital in the books. We we work strictly on an agency sort of a model. So uh-huh. imagine like you know if you're going to like um you know a creative agency to have a website done or to sure. have like a you know marketing campaign done, um you as the client are in full control and you also you know um, underwrite the ho- the cost of the whole project. We work on that model too, and the reason is exactly because of what what you mentioned. Um, if we were investing um, our own capital into it, we would need to uh to acquire Acquire the rights to the material, mm. um, or at least share them, and we don't. So what I that see. means, is, yeah. So what that means is like you <clears> own it completely. We're just here to execute your vision, but we're also going to give you um, professional advice and and not allow you to make a disastrous decision on your own. You know, we're going to give mm-hmm. you we're going to give you our our you know our 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 professional um, you know sort of guidance on executing the project well, and then at the end of it. Um, the uh, the distribution is dealt with on a commission model. So um, we retain 45% of publisher receipts. And so the publisher receipts are the money, that's the money that comes in the door um, after the retailer has taken their discount. So if your book sells for, if it's got a $20 sticker on it, um, then uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whoever, they'll, they'll keep 10 bucks of that. Mm-hmm. So 10 bucks is what comes back. Uh, $4.50 goes toward our distribution services and fulfillment and the warehousing and the trucks and the paying of the sales reps and all of that. Mm-hmm. And $5.50 goes into your pocket. What What's really important about this is that what it means is that if you have a large email list, because you own every book in the warehouse, you can sell directly to your audience, whether it's um, back of the room at speaking engagements or through your email list, mm-hmm. you can sell and keep 100% of that 20 bucks for any sale that you make yourself then uh, that goes directly into your pocket. You own all of the underlying rights. So it means that 
if you want to create derivative materials, if you want to do a spin-off course or just repurpose a chunk of the book in a different format, you totally can do that. It's mm-hmm. your book. Mm-hmm. And you own every piece of it. Um, a lot of some hybrid deals, uh, some hybrid publishers or even traditional publishers will require their authors um, to uh, purchase books at wholesale price before mm-hmm. if they want to go and sell them directly. So if you had a speaking engagement and you wanted to buy 200 books or sell 200 books, then, you know, under a normal, you know, traditional deal, you'd have to go and buy those books for $10 each so that you could sell them for 20. But under our deal, all you do is call us up and say, send them over from the warehouse. You already own them. So they're already yours and you and you can do with them what you will, which is getting back to what I was mentioning earlier about there are certain people who are really, really well positioned to take advantage um, of this arrangement and make it work for them. Um, and those in particular are people that have a big email list or that have um, uh, direct access to their um, to their uh, readers through um, through in-person events and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So of your published authors and I mean, sorry, in your, in your experience, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what can an author expect the, their return on investment to be of this 30,000? Like, do they recoup all their money or is this really more for setting yourself apart in an industry? Um, or, or do people actually come out, you know, quite cash flow positive at the end of this? Mm-hmm. So um, it's challenging to make that kind of money back from in-store sales alone. I'll be okay. completely honest with you. It's really challenging. And I think that even most traditional publishers, will, you know, most traditionally published books do not um, make back their publisher's investment. Um, I think the <clears throat> the estimate is something like 80% of books fail to earn out their royalty advances to authors, which and, means and that they that's, basically... That's yeah. an any- any publishing model you mean yeah, or, yeah, okay. yeah yeah that's across the board and so um so traditional publishers who have a huge list they mitigate that those losses because they'll have a few big hits that kind of um offset the losses that they experience in the rest of their list um under our model of course you know each book is sort of like a mini business on its own and that is a business backed by its author mm. and so there is no spreading of risk and so i you know absolutely um need to be extremely cautious about thinking about um, undertaking a plan like this. And it's one of the things that, you know, we talk to people about um, their expectations and what they need to get out of it. So if you're depending solely on in-store sales and you don't have um, a strong um, uh, platform or a following that you can leverage your own, uh, it may be challenging for you to recoup your investment. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there are lots of ways in which our clients um, do re- receive return on investment that like far exceeds what they put into it. And that is a lot of the times it's through, so it can bring extra business into their, um, their, you know, their, their practice or into their, into their company. Um, I, many of our authors are on the public speaking circuit and they've seen their, you know, their fees jump from 5,000 per appearance to 10,000 and more. Yeah. Um, you know, those back of room sales, again, and, you know that you re- recoup really quickly when you're selling direct and making 100% of the revenue on the on the list price. So um, depending on your situation, um, you know, especially if you're an author that has. So if you've got a if you've got a strong um, kind of base that to which you know you can sell books directly, you'd actually be far better off doing it with us than you would be through a traditional publisher. And then now you've got the added credibility of being in store as well, um, and it matters less um, how well those trade copies do. Uh, yeah. Because sort of um, uh, there's 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 sort of a flagship for the whole enterprise. Right. 
So the authority is really what brings that uh, ROI back on back in back in the picture. Okay. Yeah. So having authority, but all, yeah, also just ha- having other kind of um, ways to leverage the book in other sure. uh, you know in, in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's let's uh, let's wrap up pretty soon here. But I wanted to ask you um, if you can give me like three key takeaways just for an author for authors who want to publish your book, like you know, how could they go about doing it? Um, you know, whether they want to self-publish, traditional publisher, somewhere between, um, what would be your, be, be your advice? Okay. So the first piece of advice is the advice that I gave you earlier. If you're going to hire a professional anywhere, make it a developmental editor who can help you actually write the, the best book possible. So that mm-hmm. is my number one piece of advice, no matter what, you know, your plans are. Um, if, if you're going the traditional route, you will need to have a strong foundation in your book proposal. You'll need to have a compelling concept and the one that is uh, geared toward the market. The second piece of advice I would say is if you're thinking of, if you're trying to, to determine which route is best for you, mm-hmm. um, Take a take a very clear look at your at your marketability. If you think that you have, um, if you if you if you know that uh, if if you believe that you have a strong concept and you believe yourself to have um, the right be at the right place in your career and to be a, like a serious marketable um, product, then absolutely consider getting yourself into stores, whether that is through a traditional publisher or a hybrid publisher. If on the other hand, what you really want to do is just get a book out quick and you, you know, or, or perhaps, you know, you're just telling your personal story and, you know, there's perhaps not as broad a trade appeal, then self-publishing is definitely the way to go. The third piece of advice that I would give is no matter which direction you plan to go, absolutely work on your author platform now. Mm-hmm. Work on it all the time. Work yeah. on it like for life, <laughs> because <laughs> no matter, <laughs> it's, it, this is not something that, you know, you can just do around the time of your book launch. Um, it, no matter which direction you plan to publish in, um, the thing that is the biggest determinant for in, in your success is going to be how able you are to build connections with readers and, um, and to, to get people to know about your book and about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great. I, I thank you for that. Okay, okay so pleasure. so Maggie, where um, where can people find out more about about uh, Life Tree and, and yeah, um, so our email, our 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 our, our website is at uh, lifetreemedia.com. and um, yeah, you can find all kinds of information there about the services that we provide. Um, our best book program is the program that I've been talking about today, which is the sort of um, you know sort of comprehensive premium, you know, all inclusive service package that will get you all the way to publication. But we also do a la carte services too, and we mm. can help people develop their concept for um, book proposals and uh, and other uses. So that's all at lifetreemedia.com. And how many authors have you published so far? We're all, we're in our third year of business, uh-huh. and uh, we've got um, eight books on the market, another uh, a, a selection of them kind of in progress for for next year and i'm really proud to say that one of our books has already made um numerous bestseller lists and i'm not just talking about amazon categories but also <laughs> like the, the toronto star um that's discipline without damage by dr vanessa lapointe it's a, a child care um a parenting book and um and it's in its third printing another one of our books um vaporized by robert tersek it's a business book and it's actually just been shortlisted for the get abstract international book of the year award which is going to be handed out at the frankfurt book fair in the fall um and uh yeah so you can find out more about our books online too 
Yeah, as I'm scrolling through these, they all look incredibly professional. The the, the covers are phenomenal, and it just looks like what you would see in a store. So, that's you a know, testimony. this is this is what you it comes down to. It's like, is this a real book or not? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the, the quote unquote real book test. You can mm-hmm. you can kind of tell a self published book when you look at it, mm-hmm. and um and 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 our our books are are you know are they're real books. <laughs> All right, Maggie. Well, thank you so much for spending the time to talk about this stuff. I, I know hybrid, there's so many, there's this mystic sort of uh, all kinds of like, un, you know, under misunderstandings around hybrid, hybrid publishing. So it's very nice to um, have someone who really uh, is pushing that forward and figuring it all out. Well, <laughs> let, let me just leave you with this one final thought then in that sure. case, because I know that, um, you know, as I mentioned, there are lots of people using this term. If your listeners are going to, um, or they're looking at various hybrid publishers and trying to compare them, um, ask these questions. One, do you have in-store distribution? And do not be, um, do not be confused if they say, oh yeah, we've got distribution. Your book can be ordered anywhere. They'll, you know, list it with Ingram, the wholesaler or whatever, and people can order it. No. I mean, do you have on the ground sales reps who are actually selling it into stores? That's number one. Number two, do you have deep developmental editing? Will you really, really, uh, care about the quality of my book or are you just a vanity press and a self-publishing mill that's Mm -hmm. number two um and um and so i think that oh yeah well i had a third i don't remember what it was (laughs) (laughs) no problem those are both very good (laughs) those are are absolutely the most oh okay of course the third one is about the distribution split and so ask them Mm. you know will i retain my rights yeah so ask the rights and royalties yeah awesome awesome okay all right maggie well until next time and thank you so much My pleasure. Thank you. A huge thank you to Maggie Lanrick and Lifetree Media. And if you want to support the show, head over to iTunes, leave a review. Also, uh, you can sign up for the mailing list at bleedingink.fm. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-I-N-K dot F-M. And until next time, everybody, thanks for listening. The ink has run dry. See you next time.